wedding. So with Pastor Mark away, we are blessed to have one of our young uh, leaders here at our church, Kainoa, who is usually running the service behind the scenes, running the online service. He's going to bring God's word to us. Let's give a warm welcome to Kainoa. Well, good morning, church family. All right. God is good and all the time. Ooh, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with you folks. Um, as you folks know, my name is Kainoa, and uh, I'm one of the servants here at New Hope Kailoa. And um, just to kind of give a shameless plug, if you have the church app on your phone, you can actually follow along with today's sermon and every other sermon. So in the church app, if you tap on sermon on the bottom, you can actually look at today's notes and you can follow along with us and uh, yeah, be a part of today's message. Uh, also, as Foley just kind of reiterating to him, Tuesday night, someone say Tuesday night. This is where we have an opportunity to get deeper into the book of Galatians. And I want to highly encourage you folks, if you're not doing anything on a Tuesday night, uh, come down to the sanctuary. We're here at around 6.30-ish uh, p.m. And uh, yeah, we get into God's word right at 7. And it's so awesome because we actually get to hear uh, different perspectives and how the Holy Spirit is speaking to uh, each and every one in the group. So I highly, highly want to encourage you folks, please, please, please come to Tuesday night uh, small groups. Amen? All right. Awesome. Uh, well, before we get into uh, today's sermon, as some of you folks know, we're in the book of Galatians. And today I have the pleasure of doing chapter 3. But before we get into chapter 3, I want to give us a little bit of a, a backstory, a little bit of history, so that we can better understand Galatians chapter 3. Uh, and then from there, if we have time, I'll go ahead and share a, pers a personal testimony, and then, um, yeah, then we'll close out for service. Sounds good? Awesome. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and um, let's go to Genesis chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 3. should come up on the screens. And it says this. It says, the Lord, uh, then the Lord said to Abram, someone say Abram, leave your country, your kindred, and your father's household and go to, into the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Someone say great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. And all families of the earth, someone say all families, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Amen. Now, just to kind of give us a little uh, preamble, this is actually where Abraham, or Abram, I should say, is sort of introduced to us. He's actually introduced to us in the 11th chapter towards the bottom. And Abram is, is known to be the descendant of Shem. So he's a descendant of Shem, who is the son of Noah. And we bring forth Abram to the picture. And this is where God is giving a promise. He's given a promise to Abram. And later on, we'll get into uh, a little bit more of that. But let's jump on over to Genesis chapter 15. So now we know about Abram. And we bring him because in, in Galatians, Paul actually references Abram. But in Genesis 15, verse 1 through 6, it says, After these events... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram replied, O Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? As some of you may remember the story, Sarah and Abram were not able to conceive a child. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Now, Eleazar was actually a servant of Abram. And then verse 3 says, Abram continued, Behold, you have given me no offspring, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the Lord of the God, uh, sorry, then the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, This one will not be your heir, but one who comes from your own body will be your heir. And the Lord took him outside and said, Now look to the heavens and count the stars, if you are able. And then he told him, so shall your offspring be. 
Verse 6, catch over this, guys. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credit to him as righteous. Someone say, Abram, believe the Lord. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Most precious and heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we just pray for today's word, that it may be nourishment to our spirits, that it will give us revelation and fulfillment within us, Lord God. And may it, con may it connect us to your heart. May it connect us to your spirit. May it allow us to open our hearts and our minds to receive from you so that we can fall in love with you more and more. We thank you for the covenant promise you have given to Abram, and we thank you for today's message as we get deeper into your word as to what Paul is speaking in Galatians 3. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, the church says, amen, amen. So as some of you know, Abram was recognized by God as the father of many nations. Okay? Now keep this in mind, right? Keep this point in mind. I want us to remember this. If you're taking notes, write this down, that Abram recognized God, I'm sorry, Abram was recognized by God as the father of many nations. Keep that in the back of pockets of your mind. Got it? Amen. <laughs> he was also considered the father of faith. And because he believed, he was later called Abraham. Now, that we have the backstory and that we kind of understand some of that context, we're going to get into Galatians chapter 3. And what we're going to do is kind of give us the overall idea of what Galatians 3 is about. And hopefully this will allow us to be encouraged to jump in with us on Tuesday uh, because I want us to get into some of the good nuggets that Galatians 3 has and we're going to dive deep into it. Uh, but today we're going to give us the, the big overall idea. Um, and in this point, there's, there's two points per se. One is more of a supplication to it. But this point is actually the main message that Paul is speaking in Galatians 3. And it's this. We are saved by grace through faith and not by the works of the law. Someone say, we are saved by grace through faith and not by the works of the law. We know that faith without works is dead, but we know that faith, we know that works according to the law is not what God intended for us. And as we've been going through Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2, we realize that Paul is really upset. He is frustrated. He's immensely upset. And if you read in the book of Acts, you kind of uh, know why and why Paul was re reaching out to the Galatians at that time. But we're looking, uh, we're looking Galatians 3 and he's so upset. And it starts off with this in verse 1, and it says, Oh, foolish Galatians! Yikes! Oh, foolish Galatians! Who bewitched you? Paul is asking this question, who bewitched you, specifically because Paul had shared with them the gospel of Christ. They knew the gospel of Christ. What ended up happening was they reverted back to the law. And they thought that the law was justifiable. So we continue on. It says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? After starting in the spirit, you are now finishing in the flesh. Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God lavish or does he give, does he offer you his spirit on you and work miracles among you because you practice the law or because you hear and believe? Ooh, someone say, I hear and believe. Ooh, come on, somebody. How many know sometimes we need a little bit of rebuke, right? It's not always the best thing that we want to hear. It's not always something that we feel so great about, but we know that that rebuke will, God, will cause us to be transitioned into the way that God has us. Amen? We know that sometimes we may get lost in our ways, and yet God places people in our lives to bring us right back. And sometimes hearing that rebuke is like, oh, man, I don't want to hear that. Man, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear this. This is harsh, man. This is really harsh. But Paul is really contending with the faith. He's really contending with the church and with the faith. And this is where we see Paul questioning the Galatians as to how they acquired the Spirit. How did you get the Spirit? Was it because of your good works? 
Was it because you did some charitable thing this past weekend and you were doing really good things for those people? Was it maybe the, uh, the houseless that you went on Wednesday night and you fed the houseless this past Wednesday? And you're like, God, that's, that's my work right there. And this is where Paul is saying that it's not by your good works. This is by the Spirit. He's emphasizing that. In fact, the Spirit is what's inside of us that allows us to be connected to the Godhead. The Godhead is referred as God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And allows us to have that. In fact, if you think about it, anybody likes M&Ms? Yeah, <laughs> I got some attention here. Think of yourself as the outer shell, and the, the, the chocolate, and then the nut, right? Well, could be peanut butter, could be pretzels, whatever you say. But the outer shell, of course, is our flesh. And then the chocolatey goodness on the inside is the soul. But that core center is the spirit. And this is where Paul is really contending with is the core center of the spirit. Not so much of the soul, not so much of the flesh or the, the body itself, but for the spirit. And we receive the spirit when we activate our faith. Someone say, activate our faith. Come on, somebody. So how do we activate our faith? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, this is where Paul is speaking, and he says that faith comes by hearing. And then later in Ephesians, the chapter, the book after this, Paul says that faith is not by our works. But here's the next part that I want us to jump into, and this is where it kind of helps us to understand the background story that we had read earlier. And it says in verse 6, So also... Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Someone say righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith, someone say faith, are sons of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and foretold the gospel to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Does somebody remember that? Anybody remember what? Anybody remember that when we read it? All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abram, the man of faith. So we hear that Paul is really now kind of bringing it home. He's driving it home to the Galatians. He first gives them the correction. Right? Just like how it says, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And we know that sometimes we need a little bit of correctioning. Amen. Amen? Oh, come on, somebody. Sometimes we need a little bit of conviction, and sometimes we need a little bit of correction. And with that correction, then comes with the supplication of God's word or the love that comes into it, and really expressing as to why. And Paul is here contending and speaking to them about that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and foretold the gospel to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you. So the Galatians had, a mis uh, had mistaken their righteousness to be the law. Ooh. The Galatians had mistaken their righteousness to be in the law. Here's the thing. The law at that time was a way for God to give a, a, a rule of instruction, basically, as a way for God to, to kind of give this, um, this law of, of atonement, I guess you could say, or this, this way of, of following him. But here's the thing, is that God was really just teaching Israel of what was to come. We know that because the promise was given to Abraham. The promise was told that those who believe by faith, that all nations will be blessed through you. And I want us to capture that because... This is where we're going to get into uh, the word faith. And I want us to really understand because some of us may have a different understanding of the word faith. We know that faith, um, as according to Hebrews, we know that faith is able to do the impossible, right? We know that faith can, can allow us to do um, many things that cannot be seen. And here's the thing is that this is where I really want to get into the actual word of faith. So the word faith is pistes, or pistes, sorry, which is Greek. So the word faith is pistes in Greek, which is the word that is used in Galatians 3, 
chapter 2. I'm sorry, <laughs> verse 2, sorry. Chapter 3, verse 2. That same word that is used, because if we remember, or some of us may know, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek. Both were partially written. There's some books and some sections that were in Aramaic, but most of it was either in Hebrew or in Greek. So because we're in the New Testament, we're translating it from the Greek word pistis, which is the same word that is used in John 3.16. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This same word, if we look at it in Hebrew, is aman. And that's the same word that's used in Genesis 15, verse 6. So when we look at the word faith, and we translate it back to the Greek text, this is what it really means. The word faith. And it means in Greek and in Hebrew, the same thing. It means to trust. means to believe. means to have faithfulness means made firm, means to be established, means to be sure, to believe in, assurance, firm conviction, ground of belief, with an implication that actions based on that trust may follow. Do we have a better picture of what faith is now? So now that we know what faith is, this is the, the second idea per se, that I wanted to, to share on, um, uh, on Galatians 3, and, and then we'll get into a, a, like a personal uh, testimony. But in Galatians 3, the main idea is this, right? Excuse me. Is that we are saved by grace through faith, not by the law. Amen? It's not by the works of the law. It's through grace. It's, it's by grace through faith. Now, here's a question that I was asked by someone when I was kind of sharing this with them. They asked me, and they said, Kaino, why is, it, why is it that we can't just be saved by grace? Why is it not just by grace alone? Why is that? Because if there's so much grace that God gives, then why, is, why, why do we have to have faith? What is the purpose of that? And so I shared with them, and this was Holy Spirit prompting me, and I said, well, you know, God can have all the grace that he can give us, but if we're not coming alongside and trusting in that grace that he has for us, then really that grace is invalid for our lives because we're not going through to him with faith. We're not trusting or believing him. And then someone said, well, okay, in that case then, what about faith? If faith is enough, if we were saved through faith, then what's the point of grace? And as we know, grace is the main reason why Jesus died on the cross. Amen. It is the reason why. We know that in the Old Testament, the only way to be atoned for your sins was to give an offering, whether if it was a sacramento of a, a dove or a oxen or whatever it might have been, you had to give a living sacrifice. Key word, a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which means that according to our sin, we should be punished for what we have done wrong. <sighs> Let that sink in for a bit. But this is where Jesus comes in as the ultimate living sacrifice, and he dies on the cross for us, and because of that, we now have his grace. We're now having grace through Jesus because of our faith in him. So because of that, grace and faith must be in partnership together. We are saved by grace, but through faith, through us trusting the Lord, through us, uh, um, through us being prompted to believe in him. Amen? Amen. So it's, so it's us being saved by grace through faith, not by the works of the law. Now, because of our faith, it is what makes us righteous before God. And the simple fact is just because you believe in God, it is enough to consider you righteous. So here's the second point. And this second point, I actually don't really consider it as a second point. I, I consider it as a supplication to the first point because that's the main idea. But the second point is this, is that salvation 
made, salvation is made available to anyone who believes. Does somebody get that? Salvation is made available to anyone who believes. And the reason why for this is because in Paul is referencing in Galatians 3, he's talking about all nations will be blessed through you. That means no matter what color skin you are, no matter what background you've came from, no matter what nationality you are from, Chinese, Hawaiian, Puerto Rican, whatever nationality you are from, simply by believing in faith, you now become the descendant of Abraham. <sighs> Wait, you're saying that that promise that Abraham had, that's for me? Yes. That promise that was given to him is not just by blood descendant. God says in Genesis that anyone who believes in faith, anyone who believes in the faith with you is accredited as righteous. So here's the thing. Anyone who believes can be saved. Anyone who believes. Here's my question. Do you believe? There may be many of us who are like, yeah, kind of, I, I believe. I've been believing for many years. I mean, yeah, totally. And my encouragement is that if there's anyone in here that does not believe, uh, there's going to be an opportunity later on. I'm going to share a, a personal testament, but there's an opportunity that I want to give us for those who may not believe and to give an opportunity of, of, uh, of having that belief more than the Disneyland Mickey Mouse belief. <laughs> this is eternal belief. This is spiritual belief. This is something above and beyond than anything this world could ever offer. You know, it's, it's so funny because, um, and I'll share my, my testimony on faith. And this is uh, two occurrences. I might have time for the second one, but the main one is this one. In uh, 2008, around 2008, uh, I had lost my job. I was uh, about a year or two out of high school, about maybe, or maybe two or three years out of high school. And um, I had lost my job, and I was only working for this job for six months, and I lost it. And I was so bummed because the job previously was in a retail job, and I wanted to try something different, something new. And there was a portion of me that said not to do it, but I said, you know, I got to do it. I have to. So I went, I applied to this job. I even let the person know that, hey, this job that I'm applying for, I'm not even equipped for it. And they're like, well, we're going to take a chance. Okay, cool. Sounds good to me. Six months into the job, because I wasn't adequate to fulfill that job, I lost it. Now, to kind of fast track the whole story, nine months I was out of work. Nine whole months. It was heartbreaking because as a, as a young guy, I had a car loan. I was living with my grandparents. I had to, of course, help pay rent with them. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I got no job, man. And it was one of those things where I applied for unemployment. And they said, you have to apply for three jobs per week. Just keep a record. Don't need to submit it. Hold it for 10 years. But you have to apply three, three jobs per week. Family, it's nine months I applied three jobs per week. Some weeks I applied five jobs. I still did not get a job. This was harsh for me. This was so crucial. And in the, in the first six months of it, I was literally trying on my own. In fact, I was so desperate for a job. I said, you know what? Even though I, I got fired from an office job, I'm willing to work at McDonald's. I'm willing to be a janitor, man. If I got to scrub toilets, any way to get a paycheck, I'm, I'm down. And then I applied there, and they said, you are overqualified. Overqualified? How is that possible? I'm not qualified enough to land any job, but I'm overqualified. I called the manager, and they said, because of your previous pay, we can't match it for the position that you're going for. In fact, the only position would be like manager for that pay. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I said, look, what if I sign a document, and I say, I will take the low pay and not compare like my old pay to this. Like I am willing 
to go for the OP. They're like, nope, we're not taking a chance with you. Sorry. Wow, I was heartbroken. The lowest of lowlies, I thought. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I give it a little bit of an upscale. Let me apply at Zippy's and see if I can get a job as a janitor there. They too said I was overqualified. And I was heartbroken. In six months, I'm struggling. And I'm telling God, like, man, I am fed up already. I'm so fed up. Like, I don't know what to do. And this is where God really challenged me. And he says, it's because they weren't listening to me. That hit me like a ton of bricks. He says, you're not listening to me. Wow. Okay. So what, what do you want from me, God? So God then takes me on this three-month journey of getting deeper into his word. And in this three-month journey, God is really, like, working me, man. I mean, he's putting, like, words into my heart. He's giving me revelation. Uh, and then there comes a point where I'm just kind of, like, jumping through the, the Bible, just kind of, like, you know, whatever Russian roulette style, whatever happens, God comes, boom, okay, I get a revelation. But then the guy was like, no, I want you to start from the beginning. And I said, come on, Lord, do I have to really start from the beginning? He's like, no, I want you to start from the beginning. You didn't listen to me the first time. You need to listen to me now. All right, Lord. So I humbled myself, and I'm reading, I'm reading, and gets to the point where it comes to uh, Genesis 5. And it's the genealogy portion. And for me at that time, I never cared about genealogy. Unfortunately, not even my own. However, today, I find genealogy so important. So important. Um, but at that time, I could care less about it. So I literally flip the page. And God goes, ah, 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 ah. go back. And I said, come on, Lord. He says, no, no, no. I want you to go back. So I'm going to read to us, and then it's going to go on the screens afterwards, but I'm going to read to us Genesis chapter 5. And in, the, in, the, in the, the long reading of that chapter that I had to go through, you're going to go through it with me, amen? Because <laughs> we're reading the whole chapter. And I really want us to capture this, okay? Because it wasn't until God broke me and he told me that I had to do this, that it wasn't until I realized, wow, God, this is amazing, so in Genesis chapter 5, it says this, and uh, it won't go up on the screens. I'll just read it to us. And it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. On the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them mankind on the day when, uh, when they were created. Abraham had lived 130 years. He fathered a son in his own uh, in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. I'm going to pause there for a moment. We know that when we look at that, uh, this description of the genealogy, he had Cain and Abel uh, before, but specifically in this genealogy, it mentions Seth. Continuing forward. Then the days of uh, Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he fathered over other sons and daughters, and so, all the days of Adam lived, uh, were, were, he lived, uh, were 930 years, and he died. Now, Seth lived 105 years, and he fathered Enosh. Then Seth lived 807 years, and he fathered Enosh, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Now, Enosh lived 90 years, and fathered Canaan. Uh, then Enosh lived 815 years after, the father, after he fathered Canaan, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905, and he died. Okay, I'm just waiting for that. <laughs> now Canaan lived 70 years, and he fathered Mahalalel. This is where I believe Hawaiians were born. Mahalalel. Mahalo. Joking. Anyways, kidding. It's not true. I'm kidding. Now Canaan lived 70 years and fathered Mahalalel. Then Canaan lived 840 years and he fathered Mahalalel. And he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Now Mahalalel lived 65 years and fathered Jared. <laughs> then Mahalalel lived 830 years after he fathered Jared and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Now, Jared lived 162 years and fathered Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years and, uh, 
Then Jared lived 800 years and fathered Enoch, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and then he died. Okay, we're getting the rhythm here. Okay, we're almost there, guys. We're, we're like halfway there, okay? Now Enoch lived, sorry, excuse me. Now Enoch lived 65 years, and he fathered Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he fathered Methuselah, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and so was not, uh, and he was not, for God took him. Ooh, that's probably the one person that got taken and not die. <laughs> now Methuselah lived 187 years and fathered Lemek. Then Methuselah lived 782 years, and he fathered Lemek, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Oh, here we go, family. Now Lemek lived 182 years and fathered a son. He named the son Noah, saying, this, will, uh, this one will give us comfort from our work and from our hard labor of our hands caused by the ground which the Lord has cursed. Then Lemek lived 595 years after he fathered Noah, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lemek were 777 years, and he, last chapter, last verse, now after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Hem, and Japheth. And we then had learned earlier that Abram was the, um, the descendant of Shem. So I, took, so I take us through all of this, and I'm talking to God, and I'm like, okay, hey God, you just took me through a whole chapter. Next one. And he says, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm not done with you yet. God says, I want you to go ahead and, and translate it for me. And I say, what? And he says, no, seriously, I want you to grab every name because you know that your name has a meaning, and everyone else, their name means something. In fact, we know that in the Bible, when God names a place, it's the name of whatever personification or character it is. So God's telling me, I want you to go ahead and, and, and translate these names. And I said, Lord, you really made me read like the whole chapter of five of like just people dying. <laughs> and like, I, you want me to translate those names? He says, no, 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 I, I really do. Remember now, you didn't listen the first time. You need to listen to me. And I said, fine, all right. So actually, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't translate those names, and it wasn't until one day I go into my closet, which I was sharing with a relative, and lo and behold, a baby dictionary falls to the ground. I've never seen that baby dictionary ever in that household, and I don't recall that person having a, a planning to have a child, so I was just so like, wow, where did this baby dictionary come from? And then it hit me, and I said, okay, Lord, I think you're trying to convict me here. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say, but I think you're convicting me here. So I took time. I took time, and this is when I was, I don't know, 22, 23 or so. I took time, and it wasn't until this and a few, a few moments afterwards, it wasn't until later on I got hired. But here, this is where God was really pressing on my heart, and this is something that as, as I was going through different references and and just really like digging in, digging into it. Uh, this is where we get into uh, the breakdown. And for just to share, for me, this was a point where I said, wow, this was kind of like the catalyst for me of jumping into faith and really moving into action of believing in God. Uh, and I, I couldn't believe that it had to take all of this work for me to get to this point. So the first name that's recorded, we know, is Adam. Right, and in in the genealogy, we know that um, Adam had prior sons and daughters, right, or sons, I should say. He had Cain and Abel, but in here, he specifically, God specifically writes it in the way where it's mentioned Seth. So I'm reading into this, and I'm looking. Okay, what does Adam mean? So Adam actually means red, dirt. It also means man. So it comes into different translations: red, dirt man, uh, mankind. Uh, and then we look into Seth. And then Seth is, of course, the uh, considered, I guess you could say, the third child. Um, 
I mean, technically, I don't know because he had other sons and daughters. So could it have been? I'm assuming so because he says it in the chapter after Cain had killed Abel. Um, but here is Seth. And Seth, when we translate it, it means to be appointed. It means to be appointed. And it was because, it was because of Seth that he made things right. Then from Seth, it mentions that we have Enosh, Enosh, which Enosh, in, in the translation, when you look at the Hebrew translation, it means man. It also means human or mankind as well, so very similar to Adam. Um, and then from Enosh, Enosh had uh, Canaan, Canaan, K-E-N-A-N. And Canaan, it actually means like possession. It also means to mourn, to lament. It also means to have sorrow after, like to have sorrow after. Then we have Mahalalel where this was uh, when the Hawaiians came. <laughs> and anyway, so Mahalalel, it actually means the, the praises of God. It means the praises of God. Some say the, some say the blessings of God, but it means uh, the praises of God. And then we have uh, Jared, and uh, Jared is, is not from the jewelry store. Could be a jeweler. But Jared means to, to come down, to descend, to fall upon, to come down, basically, like, kind of like if you're on a ladder, to descend down kind of thing. So it means to come, to, to come down, to descend. And then Enoch is like the, the word of like teacher or the act of teaching, uh, Enoch. Then we have Methuselah which is a spear, uh, a pointed dart, or a death as well. And then we also have uh, Lemek, uh, which is like powerful, or to be low of, or uh, in this case, also to, um, to bring forth. Right? And then last is Noah, which we get a little bit of context uh, in that chapter where it talks about why Noah was brought forth was to bring peace upon all of the, the work that was cursed on the ground from, from God. Right, so we, we have all of this. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I just translated. My work here is done. And then God says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm not done with you yet. And I'm just like, okay, God, what, what is it? Why? Uh, I, I translated these names. Isn't that good enough? And God says, no, no, I, I actually have a message I want you to understand. And so as I'm trying to put this together, God then tells me, I want you to write it out. So fine. Okay, I write it out. And it comes out to look like this. Oh, we can put it up. Okay. Man appointed human or mortal sorrow. But the blessings of God, or the praise of God, descends, comes down, teaching, the death will bring, bring forth much peace. This was such a pivotal point for me when I had, when I had gone through this process, because God was really showing me of the amount of work it takes to really get into loving Him and knowing Him on a deeper level. God really was, was really pushing me forward. And it, man, those six months, guys, was like the hardest months of my life in that moment. And I'm just like, what in the world? And from here, God really just breaks down so much more revelation in the next three months that actually everything else afterwards started to prosper because of my obedience and my faith in him. And I, I bring this because... I want us to really get knee deep, maybe waist deep, maybe chest deep in God's word. You know, when, when writing this message, I was really challenged because I was trying to come up with, with a, a message that would correlate to uh, Galatians 3 and um, through my, my pastor and my professor that I'm proud of, <laughs> I get rebuke and correction. <laughs> And it was good. It was good because it made me really dig deep. It made me remind myself of this moment of where, you know what? Remember that moment when God wanted you to really listen. Remember that moment when God really wanted you to dig deep and to get into his word and to actually move into it. And, it, and I say this because um, as a Packrim student going into some of our classes, it's really challenging 
me, and, and I know even some of the other students, to really start considering God's word in a whole new way. And because of this revealing of, of what God is doing through there, that's kind of my exhortation to us, is I really want us to get deep into God's word. And you can do that by coming to Tuesday night small group at 7 p.m. <laughs> but no, seriously, we are saved by grace through faith, not according to the law, not according to us following and abiding by certain rules, not us by saying, oh, I did this and attaboy, good job, right? It's really us trusting and believing by faith. It's our trust and belief in Him. And that's where I wanted to, um, that's where I wanted to kind of bring our service in conclusion of today, is I wanted to give an opportunity for those, in, and maybe if the uh, worshiping can have a pad for us in the back, but I wanted to give an opportunity for us. Let's go ahead and stand. And, and this, is a, this is a call to respond. This is a, a huge call to respond because, man, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I am telling you guys. I am telling you. And God's putting the right people in your path. You were brought here for a specific reason, whether somebody had asked you or maybe you saw our road signs. There was a, a specific reason why God brought you here today. And the, the hopes of it is, the hopes is that in my heart, my, hope, my hopes is this. My hopes is that you get to experience Jesus. I really want you to, to have an opportunity to really, really meet Jesus. And I, I say this because um, I was reminded of a moment where I had thought to myself that I was unworthy. I, uh, I broke down and cried in remembrance of this because... God reminded me of a moment where I thought I was so guilty of his love that he would never love me. Six months, family, of trying to get a job, three jobs, five jobs per week. I had a car payment. I had rent that I had to pay. I could not get a job, family. And it wasn't until I had to step out in faith. I had to hear God's voice. I had to be obedient to the voice. I had to trust by faith that he had a plan for me. And it wasn't until that moment in three months, God really grew me. God really got me deep. He partnered me up with the right people. And man, it's been a journey. And I'm glad that I had this opportunity because it reminded me of back then. You know, kind of like when Israel had gone to places and God says, I want you to build, build this up so that you forget. I want you to do this so that you would not forget. And I feel that sometimes there are certain memories in our lives that God has for us so that we will not forget. And we have to see in those moments that we see God working within us in those seasons. So I want to take this time with everyone's heads bow and eyes closed. I want to really give this opportunity for those who came here feeling like you're not good enough. You're feeling to yourself that, you know what, I am not good. God is so good. I can't be in his presence. He would not love me. Listen, there was something that uh, one of my kahus from my, my uh, previous church had sent to me. And he says, hey, I want you to read this. And he says, can you imagine the amount of martyrs that had praised when Paul had entered into the gates? Paul had martyred so many people, yet they praised and honored and said, Paul, welcome home, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine that? Let that sink in for a moment. And I had to take, I took a seat back and I was like, wow. And this is why it's not by your good works. It's not by you coming to the Sunday service and sitting down and listening to this message. It's not about us watching online or listening to sermons and, man, I'm doing the work. Or it's not even about just coming to Tuesday night service, which I really want you folks to. 
But it's not just that. It's not just that. All of that, honestly, is, well, it's not going to attain you salvation. It is by grace through faith. It is through our trust in Him. And I hope that this word faith really resonates with you folks this week. If some of you have been having a hard, challenging time of trusting in God, I want to encourage you to have belief, have trust, have faith that God is there with you. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. That's my exhortation because here's the thing. Ten years plus later, I quit my job. <laughs> I wasn't fired this time. I quit. And I told God, whatever you have for me, make your way strong and through my life. And I became a full-time full student at Pac Rim. And I want us to have that faith. I want to encourage us to have that faith. I'm not saying everybody quit your job, okay? But I want us to have that trust in God, that God, you're going to do what you're going to do. I want us to be encouraged to have faith in Him, that it's by grace through faith, not by our good works, not by all the good deeds that we've done. It's not us being a nice Christian. It's grace through faith. So if there's anyone here today, I'm going to make an, a call. If there's anyone in here today that has not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never received Jesus before, and you're like, I want to know Jesus. I want to know about who this Savior is for my life. I want to give you this opportunity. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come up to the altar. It's no way to shame you. It's a way to encourage you and to thank you and to love you. And to bring you into the loving arms of Christ. So if that's you, if you're saying, man, I've never received Jesus. I've never trusted Jesus. I never had faith in him. I didn't, I didn't believe in him. I want to encourage you to come up. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Now I'm going to do one more. And this is, this is good. This is good. I'm going to do one more. If you just need prayer in your life, you're needing prayer, you're asking prayer that, God, I need you to help me, or I need, my, I need help in some way to start believing in you again. I need to have trust in you. I need to believe in you. I'm struggling. I got bills coming up. I got things that are happening. I need you in my life, Lord. If that's you and you're saying, hey, can someone just pray for me to have more trust or to build my trust in the Lord, to have faith in him? I want, to, I want to encourage you to come up as well. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come up. Okay. Awesome. All right. So I'm believing in faith. Everyone is trusting in faith. Amen? Amen. Let's close out in prayer then. Most precious and heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this message of encouraging us, Lord God. We know that sometimes in life we may need correctioning. We need to um, hear the rebuke, Lord, but it's all because you love us. It's all because you want to encourage us to really hear from you, to really believe in you, to trust in you, to have faith in you. Father, I pray that we be reminded today that it's, it's not because of us doing the good deed. It's not because of us doing good things or abiding by the law and doing what the law says. It's because you are enough. You are so enough. And I just pray, Father, that, that we have this trust to know that you are enough. That we don't have to have a more than mentality. You are enough. The Bible tells us that, that your riches, Lord God, are so massive, are so great, that it's beyond than any earthly things of this world. So remind us, Lord God, that because of your riches, of who you are, and because it's greater than any riches in the world, 
then you're enough. We don't need more than. We don't need the law. We don't need all of these things to be made right with you. But may we just trust in faith, Lord, that you are enough. You satisfy our needs. That you are the, are, 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 you're there for us. That you're Jehovah Rapha. You're there for us. You are on our behalf. And so I just pray, Father, that uh, as we go out to, uh, today, that you would encourage us, strengthen one another. And I pray that, uh, Lord, I pray that, I pray that if we've been on a, if we've been fearful of sharing about your son Jesus, even in the workplace, if we've been fearful, if we know that you are tugging on our hearts to share this message, and you've been telling us that, hey, you got to tell your coworker, you got to tell your friend, and we've been ignoring it, I just pray, Lord, that you pull and tug our hearts and to be unafraid and to trust you in the process. So we just trust you, Father God, for all these things, and we know that you are an awesome and mighty God. We love you. We thank you. In God's name, we all say, Amen. Awesome, awesome. Praise God. Um, do you want us? Oh, okay. Well, go on the peace of God. Um, we'll see you uh, next week. Actually, see you Tuesday. <laughs> Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and, and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We want, invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.